Peter Jarre has a doctorate in geotechnical engineering. He's a specialist in geotechnical and environmental issues on waste rock deposits, mining infrastructures, landfills and brownfields. Since 2015, his focus is on the environmental and social impact of digital technologies. He's founder of Slow Web Association, something I'd highly recommend checking out at slowweb.org. Petro starts our conversation by recounting his early years in mining, leading up to the Los Frailes tailings dam disaster. After my graduation and my PhD in geotechnical engineering, I, I did quite a lot of consulting work uh, around the world uh, for uh, geotechnical issues. And so uh, often I was involved with the stability of uh, tailing dams and uh, in general, uh, landfills and waste deposits uh, of rocks for the mining industry. My first uh, large assignment was with uh, an asbestos mine near Torino, which was closed in 1991 when asbestos was uh, banned, asbestos production and use was banned. I I did work for the stability of the waste uh, rock uh, dams. It was a very small mine. Uh, the production was 100,000 tons per year, while uh, later on in my career, I worked for uh, mines whose production was 100,000 tons per day. Uh, One of these mines was the Asnal Collier Collier mine. Uh, Actually, the, the name of the mine is Los Frailes, is uh, close to the Asnal Collier village in uh, in Andalusia, where since uh, three thousand four uh, sorry five thousand years ago three thousand before Jesus Christ, uh, uh, mining activities uh, took place in uh, that part. Uh, be- it's uh, between, uh, it's uh, on the border from Spain and Portugal. There is a so-called pirate belt where copper, uh, iron, and uh, many other metals might be mined. The Rio Tinto uh, multinational actually started there. Rio Tinto in uh, Spanish means the Red River. And just the name of that uh, company, Rio Tinto, explains that uh, these mines uh, had uh, an impact uh, on the surrounding environment since thousands of years ago. In Asnal Collier, uh, my uh, assignment was uh, in 1998, uh, was uh, to uh, manage the reclamation works uh, due to the failure of the tailing dam uh, which occurred uh, that year. In essence, as it happens uh, very uh, much more often than uh, we believe, I will come back on this point, uh, what happened is that uh, uh, the dam uh, containing the tailings which are created by the crushing of the minerals to extract the metals this tailing dam uh, rotated, uh, opened, and uh, the, con- the, the tailing containing the dam uh, partly uh, flew uh, down in the, in the river. And uh, in the end, uh, they continued to flow downhill for 40 kilometers uh, into the Doniana Park. The Doniana Park... Uh, is uh, a sort of bird sanctuary where most birds uh, flying from Europe to Africa stop. It's a sort of rest stop for birds. And uh, because of uh, the tailings uh, flowing from the tailing dam, which failed uh, down uh, to the Doniana Park, 
this uh, this sanctuary has uh, been uh, heavily polluted. In essence, uh, uh, the the sludge flowing down, uh, not so much, but anyway, five million cubic meters of uh, very acidic sludge covered as a cake for 10, 20, 30 centimeters uh, on, t- on the top soil, uh, covering olive trees, uh, uh, orchards, and everything, uh, everything uh, reached uh, by the flooding. My experience uh, in Spain at the end of that uh, of the century uh, showed that, uh, uh, despite Boliden, the Swedish uh, mining company, uh, spent a fortune, something uh, if I remember like 150 million euros plus, uh, the mine had to be closed, and the mine had to be closed. Uh, uh, not because of technical reasons, not because the ore was no longer available, not because technologies were not available uh, to protect the environment, the population and so on, but because in essence the economy of that region of Andalusia was no longer so uh, low, so poor, hence the local administration and the politicians and even the society as a whole could afford the idea of stopping mining activities. That had been uh, 15 years before my experience with the small asbestos mine in Balangero, as well as my experience in Sicily, where I, in essence, worked in order to close down in a proper and safe way the sulfur and potash mines of Sicily. Those uh, mines uh, were opened a uh, hundred years uh, before, more or less. And uh, in uh, during the century, uh, supplied uh, potash salts uh, for fertilizers and uh, industrial processes. But uh, in the 60s and 70s, had to be shut down progressively because in essence, uh, potash is uh, produced in a much cheaper uh, way and in orders of magnitude uh, higher uh, from uh, Saskatchewan, in Saskatoon, the, the prairies uh, of uh, Canada. There is more potash there than I think in uh, all the salt domes in Germany and even the small mines uh, in Italy. The social conditions surrounding those mines in uh, in Italy, as well as the as the Los Frailes mine in Spain and so on, had changed, and uh, from a situation or extreme poverty, the land, uh, uh, the society surrounding the mines uh, uh, had reached a level that, as I said, would allow the people around to live without the mine. Now, what has changed uh, uh, dramatically from the 200 years ago to current days is that uh, while mines in uh, 200 years ago lasted for many decades, and so when a mine was open, a new society would, uh, would be created with uh, schools, infrastructures, houses and the like, which is the case, for instance, of uh, North uh, France or uh, Ireland, I think, uh, or for sure, Wales. Uh, the new mines, uh, uh, which are created now in Africa, for instance, last uh, very often uh, for uh, uh, one decade, if not uh, less. And so that uh, uh, change in the social conditions, the sudden wealth created by the mining activities and the sudden poverty created by shutting down the, the mines is a, a much uh, quicker process. Later on, uh, 20 years ago in my career, I was involved with uh, not exactly a mining activity, but with uh, the aluminum refinery uh, located in Sardinia. Uh, southwest uh, Sardinia, it's called uh, Sulcis, 
uh, as much as the southwest of Spain was mined uh, since thousands of years ago. Uh, Sardinia was the place where the ancient Romans took uh, uh, iron from, of course, using slavery and the like. In that area, uh, during the fascism, uh, coal mines were opened because the idea of Mussolini was to have an independent uh, economy. And uh, so they mined the very poor coal from uh, southwest uh, Sardinia. They opened the mine of Carbonia, from carbon. Carbonia is a new town, was a new town, now is uh, is quite derelict land. And uh, that, sulf- uh, that, uh, that coal was actually full of sulfur, quite terrible uh, in terms of quality, much poorer than uh, the coal you can mine in Germany or Poland and the like. However, was an Italian product. Uh, with uh, the end of the war, uh, in the 50s, uh, the coal mines were shut down, uh, I would say, fortunately. However, the problem was uh, in that region, which was originally uh, based on an economy uh, of agriculture, in that region, all the farmers, the former farmers, migrated into small towns became miners, uh, became dependent on a salary. And so in the 60s, uh, we had a huge problem of uh, assistance. And since then, the Italian government put millions, I would say billions at this point uh, in that area in order to sustain an economy which was actually non-sustainable. What happened there is that uh, in the early 70s, uh, they uh, had the idea of installing in that area a, a full uh, supply, uh, let's say, supply chain of uh, aluminium. The great idea was if we supply electricity and we uh, create a waste dump for the red mud. We can import bauxite from Australia. We can refine it in order to produce aluminium oxide, Al2O3, uh, pouring into the bauxite, which is crushed in essence, caustic hydroxide, which is an AOH, and creating in that way a product which is called alumina in Italian. We can, uh, with uh, the use of electricity, a lot of it, we can create aluminium. And uh, in doing so, uh, in essence, we uh, keep uh, the jobs which uh, the mining, the previous mining activities uh, do not uh, supply anymore. So in that area of Sardinia, which was plagued with the consequences of mining coal as well as metals, uh, hence has a, a very spread contamination in, on topsoils in the air and so on of lead and many other heavy metals. They had also to live with the consequences of the aluminium production. The name of bauxite actually comes from Le Beau de Provence, which is a small village near Avignon. And indeed, in Marseille, which is downstream Avignon, uh, there is still now, I think, uh, an aluminium refinery, which is, by the way, dumping the red mats on the bottom of the sea. The outcome is that uh, uh, I think two-thirds of the original material goes into a sludge, uh, which, is, uh, which is very, very liquid, which is pumped into, into tailing ponds, okay? So again, we uh, need a tailing pond uh, close to the refinery because actually uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of waste is produced. And this is an important point, Jerry, which I think uh, might, might be of interest for the people who are not familiar with mining. The problem in general around the world is not to find ore. 
minerals and so on. All the earth crust is rich in, in that. For instance, along the seaside uh, near Genova, there is an historical village, beautiful, touristic, which is literally sitting on the largest titanium reserves of the world. The problem is not to find ores. The problem is to mine it and uh, survive the consequences in terms of environmental impact, uh, of social impact, uh, and, and so on. People know that uh, oil sands exist in Canada, but people should know that from Kiev uh, eastward, there, is, uh, there are enough oil sands uh, to kill the planet many hundreds of times. Huh? The problem is not the lack of resources. The problem is that exploiting these resources, or better, mining them in a sustainable way is very, very difficult. It's almost impossible in my experience because in essence, in Spain, in Sardinia, in Sicily and so on, my experience shows that, showed, showed to me that the mining activity is uh, typically, at least uh, in this part of the world, where we have uh, relatively wealthy uh, states, it's an activity which is uh, carried on in terms of exploitation, preliminary studies, uh, setting of infrastructures and so on. It's carried on on the, on the shoulders of the taxpayers. Then the exploitation is uh, really generating profit. So the taxpayers, so the public part. The first phase is public. The second phase, exploitation, is private. Profits go to uh, specific private companies. And then the real game starts. The real game is decommissioning, closing, and so on. There are thousands of mines uh, closed around the world, in, uh, including in Europe. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of tailing ponds which have been abandoned, while a tailing pond should be carried, cared of uh, for hundreds of years. Uh, and uh, the last phase, the, thir- uh, the phase number three, is again public. So costs are public and profits are private. That is uh, my, my summary. The Los Flanes mine in Spain, afterwards, in essence, closed 20 years ago. Five years ago, I think, was considered to be reopened. The reason? The reason is simple. The unemployment rate in Andalusia, which was low 20 years ago because tourism, because Sevilla celebrations and so on, because the new industry in Sevilla was boosting, Five years ago, the rate of unemployment in Andalusia was one of the highest in Europe, 30%. And so what do we do, guys? We open again the mine. doesn't matter if uh, opening the mine uh, gives only, in brackets, a few hundreds of jobs. Those are jobs. And those are the jobs that people might remember. So there was a discussion five years ago about reopening those mines. And I wouldn't be surprised if we go into a recession. I wouldn't be surprised, Jerry, if we will reconsider reopening some mines in uh, Ireland, Wales, or Sardinia, or or Sicily. The Los Frales mine is actually an open pit, so it's uh, already... A uh, type of uh, a type of uh, system which is uh, suitable for new technologies, while the old mines, maybe the, our collective imaginary, are uh, uh, dark <coughs> alleys, no dark tunnels, and uh, underground. Uh, the, the 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 modern operations since uh, let's say thirty years ago are just very large open pits. Hmm? And so uh, there are just uh, very, very large uh, quarries. When I'm, I mean very large, I mean kilometers by kilometers. Huh? And uh, Los Frailes is suitable for that. Uh, other mines like in Ireland and uh, England or Italy, and not by chance because of the high density of population, are instead underground, are very old operations and so on. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Europe goes into a deep economic recession that we will restart considering some mining activities. Indeed, 
today what what we see we see i think uh the end or a, at least a, a long temporary phase of deglobalization or regionalization due to a number of reasons economical reasons transportation costs and so on and political reasons and uh, so i think that uh, europe will have to rely on uh, much closer sources for the materials the materials we that we need more and more because the of the ICT industry demand hmm? so I, i i wouldn't be surprised if we will see uh, europe number one trying to exploit more the mines in the east europe in the balkans uh, and the like in north africa and then reconsider some uh, situations like uh, the andalusia situation As I said, it's just a matter of economical and uh, and social uh, conditions. I was not surprised when a couple of weeks ago we read the news about the potential new mines for rare earth in north of Sweden, in Kiruna. Kiruna, it seems that there is a lot of lithium, if I remember, and uh, that is not really important what matters is that uh, the, in the kiruna region region people are used to mining activities so all the society is prone ready to accept what uh, goes with mining i think that uh, we should stop thinking that uh, these are technical problems which require technical solutions These are political, economical, and social problems which require political, social, economical solutions. We really need to change gear and to stop using the amount of materials we need. We we use. We need to stop uh, buying a new uh, smartphone every two years and the like. As much as uh, I'm very keen about, uh, we need to stop uh, creating more, uh, using more data. Because in the end, uh, like in mining, most of what we do is waste. If you're thinking about copper production, uh, gold production, of course, uh, silver production and the like, 99, 99-something percent, it's waste. Of the data we produce every every day, how much it's waste? 90%, 95%, 99%, 99.9%. I mean, we all know that we send, receive mail, uh, we see videos. Yesterday, uh, during a conversation, I heard someone saying, oh yes, I switch on a video, but then I, I do other things in my house while I listen to the video. And I thought, If you need to listen, why on earth are you switching on a video, huh? an audio like this one? The podcast is much more environmental friendly than a video. If you don't see it, if you don't watch it, why are you uh, doing that? But uh, in every in every single house in Europe you go, there is a TV which is permanently on permanently at eight in the morning at midnight that is the habit that we need to stop and so in manic like in using digital technologies we really need to learn and to learn back because we used to know it we used just a few hundred years ago we used to live having a much lower environmental footprint. I think that's uh, the real hope. I see that my, my sons, my, my niece and my nephew start to really think in a different way. I'm using what I need. So even mining activities uh, uh, might become, I, I wouldn't say sustainable, but less unsustainable. Brilliant. Um... There's so much there, Pietro. Uh, l- let me unpack uh, some of it. You know, everything you've said, I 100% um, agree with. But just to get um, a few a few things, I'd like to just go into in a little little more, more detail. 
something you said earlier near the beginning of our conversation about how um, mining 200 years ago was, you know, going to be there for a generation. Mining today is going to be there for, for maybe 10 years. So just and another thing that it seems like the the equipment or the technology of mining, the automation of mining is more destructive. It's more likely that historical mining are kind of burrowed under the earth and still left the surface uh, um, hole, so to speak, or they'd be silent. Whereas now it seems that it's more economic to basically rip up the surface with with massive machines. So in, in essence, mining has become even less sustainable modern mining than mining 200 years ago. Would that be true? Today, a dumper in a mine is carrying 200 tons. Just a few decades ago, it was 20 tons. Okay, uh, So the size of equipment, the automation and so on, requires much larger, much larger uh, operations. Yes, it's a matter of scale. So I've been reading about um, the history of mining in the Amazon and in Guinea and in Ghana and, and, and countries like that. And, and what I've been finding is that, you know, the say the public relations might say, oh, yeah, but it's progress and it's jobs and stuff like, like that. But what I've been finding is that for many in the local communities, they don't get good jobs jobs in these mines uh, because a lot are they bring in professionals or otherwise but what often happens is that the whatever was there before whether it was you know agriculture or fishing gets devastated uh, so that when the mines leave they leave not they leave them in a much worse situation than they were before the mine arrived yes because the economy is no longer connected with the land traditions have gone and I used the, this word about the mining industry in Sardinia. The people before were independent, very poor, but independent. Then they became dependent on a salary. But another thing as well is that in, in often in areas, the very land becomes polluted, the waters become polluted. So the fish the fish are no longer there, the soil is no longer. So even if they want to go back to, it's, it's, it's sometimes very difficult because of the pollution. You're right. I, I took that for granted. <laughs> yes, of course. You're right. In uh, Sardinia, the, um, the, the, the issues uh, due to coal and lead and zinc uh, uh, mining are such that there is uh, a very clear indication uh, in terms of uh, epidemi epidemiological studies, huh? in terms of uh, tumors, diseases, and the like. In essence, <laughs> if you consider 20 years, all kind of food which is cultivated there, wine, olive olives, and the like, all has been banned at some point in time because analysis showed that was not uh, under uh, limits. Hmm? Uh, and not to mention groundwater, of course. Groundwater is gone. It's fucked up forever. Because in essence, mining uh, is... Uh, what, what, what you do with, in mining is that you extract a rock and you crush it. So what you do, you multiply by order of magnitudes the surface, which is in contact no, with water, and so the ability of water to leach out metals, okay? Hence uh, the Rio Tinto name. It's a river which is uh, red, in essence, because of the leaching of metals, because, uh, because you are crushing everything, no? And, uh, and so the, the outcome is that uh, where, where you had a, a solid rock, uh, after that you have a sludge, mud. And in mud, uh, we, we die. And as well, it's not simply the mixing and the crushing of the, the minerals existent in the place. Often they've been adding chemicals uh, to, 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 
to leach out the the specific materials that they're looking for. So you get you get it's not just a a, a so called natural mud. It's 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 a it's a very dangerous mud. Gold is produced uh, using uh, cyanides, no, uh, mercurium, uh, mercury, sorry, and uh, yeah. There is no mining activity which is not uh, which is not polluted. I mean, with my company, uh, Golder Associate, we we did a lot of consulting work around the world uh, to uh, we used to say to make uh, a sustainable mining. I would uh, say today, yes, that was a direction, but uh, however, in essence, what we were doing were limiting the damage. Hmm? reducing the damage of an activity which uh, can be controlled only if we reduce the demand of, me- of metals. Tell me uh, something, Vito, about these tailing dams, you know, because the, the, uh, there's a lot of invisibility about these. And as you said, they're, in, in a way, they're, they're like ticking time bombs most, not all the mining activities uh, require, uh, beside the, the, the crushing uh, system, the crushing plant, beside the, the refinery, a tailing uh, pond, a place where to dispose of uh, uh, the tailings generated by the process. This pond might be, uh, could be, in theory, a natural valley. You fill the valley with uh, tailings. That has been done in places like Indonesia. Uh, and of course, if you put the tailings in a, in, a, in a valley, the waters which were flowing freely in the valley will flow into the tailings. And the waters which were coming from the valley downhill, down gradient, will flow down gradient in one way or the other. The idea that you can uh, control uh, uh, the outflow from tailing ponds uh, is, uh, I think it's a mere illusion. However, what we are talking about, we are talking about something like uh, 4,000 tailing ponds of large size uh, around the world. These facilities should be looked after, cut off, uh, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Somebody say 10,000 years, but uh, that's, that's true for, for radioactive waste, not for mining waste. I think, eh, let's, let's say, let's say 1,000 years, 1,000 years, okay? Uh, that is not uh, the case. And very often uh, these ponds are abandoned and more often that we know, uh, fail. Now, they might fail in a very spectacular way, like uh, the Valle Bento Rodriguez, uh, uh, the, the Bento Rodriguez mine of Valle in Brazil five years ago, uh, I think, five years ago, 60 million cubic meters of uh, tailings flew down the river, down to the ocean, I'm pretty sure. That was not the first uh, time those mines uh, caused uh, problems every year at least two but often three or five large tailing ponds fail every year hundreds of tailing ponds leak contamination in the surrounding environment okay and sometimes they are designed in such a way that they leak now one of the issues which i learned uh, are very important with tailing ponds, is the amount of water which is within the tailings and on top of tailings. If uh, think about a, a paste, eh, a tooth uh, paste. If you if you have uh, if you if you leave a tooth uh, paste uh, <laughs> a toothpaste uh, in the environment, uh, it goes nowhere because the fluidity of the material is very low. It doesn't go anywhere. In essence, a toothpaste would not need any dam to be contained. 
And that is also true for tailings from the mining industry. If they can be dehydrated and worked in such a way that you create a paste, uh, the environmental risk uh, due to tailings uh, is uh, uh, very much uh, reduced. Indeed, uh, we, uh, with my consulting company, we created uh, uh, facilities, many facilities around the world, where actually the sludge was uh, worked, of course, uh, spending some money, making some investments, uh, worked in such a way that uh, uh, the outcome was a paste with many, many advantages from the stability point of view, from the environmental impact point of view, and, and, uh, and the workability of all the, all, the, all the cycle. However, that is not uh, the common case, and often these ledges are deposited at a very high water content, and not only the tailing pond itself is used by the refinery as a reservoir for water. And so what happens is that if you have a failure, and this is what I learned, and which I didn't find so much uh, clearly explained in the books, the problem is not necessarily the failure of the tailing pond in absence of floating water. But if you have a lot of floating water, you have everything fluid, fluid, fluidified, huh? uh, and uh, and so everything uh, flows down much uh, at a much uh, higher distance, at a much higher uh, speed, with uh, uh, much uh, wider consequences. So I would recommend that uh, everywhere uh, you have to deal with a tailing pond. Watch the water balance. Watch how much water is left on top of tailings, because that is the most important uh, risk uh, that you need to manage. What you said earlier as well is that, you know, the prospecting, the taxpayer uh, pays for the prospecting for the mining. The actual mining for itself, uh, private industry profits from it, but basically the tailing ponds are left to the public. Is that basically, it's the taxpayer who must take up this a thousand year care of, of, of these tailing ponds. Yeah, but uh, that is also, it's also very often the situation with the manufacturing industry. I'm sitting in Torino, where we have gone through 30 years of uh, brutal deindustrialization, which has left uh, many industrial sites, which are now uh, to be reclaimed, to be to be reused, but the cost for uh, the cost for remediation and so on are not uh, uh, addressed to the former industry, but are on our shoulders of taxpayers. That is uh, nothing, nothing different with the mining industry, with the differences of the size of investments needed to reclaim a mining site are orders of magnitude higher. However, on, on the opposite, they are very often in very remote areas. So people, people don't care because they don't see it. They, they don't see it, but of course, it, see, it seeps into the water table. Could you uh, tell us the, the journey of bauxite? A little bit about the processing of what it involves and how much electricity, how much energy. In, uh, in that era of Sardinia, I mentioned where in the 70s uh, they installed uh, uh, all the supply chain for aluminium for bauxite to the, to the window frames. Huh? Uh, ready for uh, for uh, construction industry, uh, they had to build uh, a sort of fifty megawatt uh, power plant, a specific power plant for that industry, hmm? uh, which uh, which uh, is just telling us that uh, you cannot just install a, a, an aluminium smelter 
in uh, every place you want. As much as uh, Jerry, uh, today is the case with uh, data centers. Huh? Data centers which suck uh, power in the order of uh, three, five mega, megawatt, huh? they require a specific power plant for them uh, themselves. Maybe just to um, focus a little bit on the red mud. Yes, the red mats. Uh, I uh, I think we should uh, yeah we should re- remind that red mats uh, have a pH between ten and twelve, so you don't want to put your finger in it, eh? because of course you burn. The that is the main uh, the main uh, feature. They have uh, they contain all sort of heavy metals. I might mention uh, chromium-6, uh, chromium, uh, mercury, uh, and the like. They contain arsenic. Uh, they contain all sort of uh, nice uh, stuff. Fluorides, uh, at least in Sardinia, that was the main problem of fluorides. Old stuff uh, whose uh, tolerable concentration is... Uh, in parts per million, huh? Micro, uh, milligram per ton, parts per million. On top of that, uh, bauxite, <clears throat> like uh, other natural materials, have a weak but uh, important radioactivity. So an activity, they uh, have emissions in terms of radiations. So nobody uh, should be scared of this, However, we must be aware of the fact that a lot of construction materials uh, keep having this uh, radioactivity because natural occurring uh, materials, uh, rocks, particularly rocks uh, coming from specific uh, processes like rocks coming from volcanoes and the like, they have uh, this uh, uh, radioactivity. Uh, we are talking about uh, mainly alpha radiations, so radiations, radiations that our skin is able to to stop. So the problem is not that if you are in front of a, <coughs> a radioactive rock, nothing happens to you because the, our skin is good enough to protect. However, what happens when you are crushing it and you are making dust very fine dust, what happens is that you inhale, you breathe, and you inhale. And when you inhale, and uh, a particle goes into your lungs, we don't have the skin in the lungs. If we had skin in the lungs, we could not breathe. And so those particles go in direct contact with the the lungs, and uh, then the radioactivity might uh, take place. There are studies uh, uh, about this. It's not uh, bauxite is one of many materials, uh, phosphor, gypsum, and uh, other materials have uh, similar properties. In general, uh, uh, I would say, in general, it's never a good idea to inhale dust in our cities. Uh, because of the combustion of uh, coal and oil and, and so on, of wood, and as well as it's not a good idea inhaling uh, dust from uh, red mines uh, and uh, mining uh, byproducts. It's interesting you talk about the red dust because it seems to be a, a common theme that I have discovered in when people in the Amazon wear a lot of um, a, a bauxite and alumina processing goes on in, in Guinea and Ghana and countries. They, a lot of the local people talk about the red dust with, with a lot of fear that it, it, it and it's so fine as well yeah because it's it's a powder no another interesting point we might make a, a, about a tailing ponds uh, if i may hmm? uh, in my experience uh, i was involved with a couple of uh, tailing ponds uh, failures but fortunately in those situations uh, nobody was killed particularly in uh, los frailes andalusia 
nobody uh, was killed because uh, this uh, flooding actually occurred uh, was not very high hmm? uh, was not a high wave uh, of uh, water and uh, because the morphology uh, the landscape shape was uh, is uh, typical already of the final uh, length of the river uh, the situation is very different when you are talking about tailing ponds which were located on the Alps, for instance, because the mines uh, took uh, place in the past. Tailings was uh, produced and pumped on uh, tailing ponds uh, hanging on, uh, literally hanging on top of mountains, which is, was also the case of, uh, of the Brazilian mine I mentioned before, the Bento Rodriguez. If you go on the web, uh, there was a camera watching this dam. It's, uh, it's really impressive. And uh, the tailing pond at Bento Rodriguez was hanging uh, on, on, uh, along a slope uh, on a hill. In Brazil, they had uh, nine people killed, but I, I being an Italian uh, geotechnical engineer, I cannot uh, avoid mentioning, cannot miss uh, mentioning what happened in Valdistava, I think was uh, 35 uh, years ago, more or less. Valdistava is near Trento, northeast Italy. There was this tiny pond basin uh, hanging on uh, slopes in three basins, one on top of the other. Typical situation, I think, was built, uh, how can I say, up uh, uphill. So you, you build the first layer, then with uh, with the, the same uh, with the same uh, uh, tailing. Uh, which is drying along the borders of the of the pond. You you build another race. Huh? You race up uh, and top to toe, to crest uh, upstream. And in Valdistava, at some point, everything failed, and I'm pretty sure 230 people were covered with meters and meters of mud. That was the consequence of uh, mining activity, which had been abandoned, not looked after, and so on. And that was a real, a very small pond in terms of, in terms of cubic meters. I think it was a matter of uh, 30, 50,000 or half a million. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing comparable to the 5 million in Andalusia or the 60 million in Brazil. Eh? However, uh, because uh, there was a camping uh, site uh, downhill, because uh, we are in a very highly crowded, no? high, high density population area and so on, uh, that is where, when uh, you, you understand that mining must take place only in some, some, some areas, not, uh, not others, uh, for sure. Maybe to summarize again, and, and you did summarize earlier that you know, we need to kind of use, reuse materials, use less materials, that we can't keep going at this rate of material consumption. Maybe that would be a good way to, to summarize or to final, your, your final thought. In terms of uh, consumption and efficiency and so on, I'm an engineer and I notice today, I notice that uh, when I studied, uh, engineering uh, 40 years ago, as much as when my son, who is now 35, studied engineering 10 years ago, all we were, uh, all we learned was uh, a series of uh, procedures, processes, methodologies in order to increase the efficiency of uh, units, huh? the efficiency of an engine, the efficiency of a chip the efficiency of a fridge and the like. Technical uh, people, engineers and so on, they focus very much on uh, reducing the consumption, the unitary consumption. But actually, the, the real stakeholder which matters, which is called Earth, the Earth don't care about uh, the efficiency of a single engine. The Earth care as is impacted by the product 
of the unitary efficiency multiplied by the number of tools which run. So <clears throat> the Earth would be much less impacted if only one huge ship with a horrible 200 years old engine would carry goods from China to Europe every day instead of one million ships with extreme efficiency. The point is, Jerry, is how much we use, how many engines, how many computers and so on. So I think the, the, the point uh, uh, is that to reduce the consumption of materials as much as to reduce the amount of fossil fuel of energy we use, the point is not to increase the efficiency of photovoltaic panels and so on. The, the point is to use less electricity, period. To move uh, to when it's necessary and not when it's not. To create technologies which help us in using less materials instead of the opposite. All the ICT industry, for instance, today is uh, uh, developing products which increase our uh, use of, uh, of the web. We said uh, years ago, we want to move bytes instead of atoms. But uh, today, the amount of bytes that we move is increasing at such a rate that we already have an impact on the energy consumption. And I don't think a solution is to use uh, renewable energy for data centers. The, the point is we should not fill the data centers with all the crap that we're filling with. As much as with the mining industry, we are very, very, very efficient in creating huge dumps huge landfills. It seems that humans' first ability is to shit, sorry, to shit in some place eh? and to leave the land full of garbage, waste, with data, with materials and the like. So the, 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 the issue is, uh, is to be tackled uh, at the root. No? Let's uh, reduce, uh, let's uh, try to build engineers which are able to understand how to decrease <coughs> the number of cars used, not how to make the cars more efficient. It's called the rebound effect. It's a well-known phenomenon. The, if, if you increase the efficiency of an engine, you should tax the new engine more in such a way that uh, People don't buy more engines, not, uh, not uh, hoping that increasing the efficiency, unit efficiency will, uh, will uh, better the world is a uh, is, uh, is very primitive thought. If you're interested in these sorts of ideas, please check out my book, Worldwide Waste, at jerrymcgovern.com. To hear other interesting podcasts, please visit This Is HCD dot com.